Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. So a mom was making pancakes for her kids one Sunday morning for her two young boys. And uh, the one boy says, oh, mommy, I want the first pancake. And she does that kind of annoying Christian mom thing where you try to make everything a lesson. I try not to do this. I do not try and bring God into my arguments. But she's like, you know, honey, if Jesus were here, Jesus would say, my brother can have the first pancake. I can wait. Boy thinks about it for a sec. He's like, okay. Johnny, you can be Jesus first. (laughs) You know, we do know from the Bible some of what Jesus would do. Sometimes, though, we want other people to be Jesus first. Uh, If Jesus were alive today, what would he do? You know, we ask this about people, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, what would he say to us? Abraham Lincoln, what would he do? If Jesus were alive today, what would he do? Well, we actually know the answer to uh, a lot of that because we, we see what he did through his church after he had resurrected and ascended back to heaven. Uh, The book of Acts is usually called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, The apostles were the followers of Jesus who were, you know, following him both while he was alive and then uh, uh, on the other side. Um, But let's be clear, this book is not the Acts of the Apostles. Half the time when something big happened, they were just trying to figure out what happened after the fact. They did not do that much in and of themselves. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, through the church. And it's not a story of what the early church did right It's a story of the Holy Spirit just hammering into the hard stone of of the disciples in the church community, hammering into them a new reality. It's a story of the Holy Spirit shaping and forming in this conglomeration of people the image of Jesus. We do know what Jesus would do if he were here today. He'd do the same thing he did when he was walking the earth by himself, he'd do the same thing he did through his church in Acts. What does Jesus want to do in our community? The same thing he did when he was here. The same thing he did through the church. You know, God has given us the message of forgiveness, new life. Uh, Much more than that, he's empowered forgiveness and new life. He's working behind the scenes to make this a reality. He's working out salvation and healing and restoration. He doesn't just have one body. Now he has the church and he wants to move and act through the church in the same ways he did when he was here walking around. So let's pray and then we're going to dig into our passage today. Jesus, we thank you. Uh, that your heart and your desire is the same always. Always. You do not have favorite times and favorite people and 
historical eras you you weren't more fond of you know turn of the century uh, at bc than you are of 2022 you want to move and work in the same way here and now as you did back then because you love us so this morning we say yes to your plans yes to your love yes to your power Yes to greater things, Jesus. Would you raise our levels of faith this morning? Work in our hearts, Jesus. Give us a greater uh, vision of who you are today. And with that, a greater vision of what you want to do in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4. It's a little bit of a longer passage, but it's just also good, and I just don't know how to, you know, chop stuff out. So, um, Acts chapter 3. All right. Um, And it is so long that... um, All right. Um, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he, of course, asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. They noticed him. They saw him. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized that he was the same beggar they had seen so often at Beautiful Gate. They were absolutely amazed and astounded. When Peter saw this opportunity, he addressed the crowd. He said, People of Israel, What's so surprising about this? And we're like, actually, everything is so surprising about this. He's like, what's so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Now repent of your sins, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. 
Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what's happening today, and I think that's true for us now. Every prophet has spoken about what's happening for, with us today. You are the children of these prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. There's some conviction in that sermon, like you killed him. There's also so much invitation. You're children of this promise. This is for you guys. Some of the Jewish leaders and temple guards going on to chapter 4 were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching people that through Jesus, there's resurrection of the dead. Also, you can't be too tough when this guy has had this thing happen to him. Um, They arrested Peter and John since it was already evening, and they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so that the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. The next morning, they brought them in for questioning. Peter said, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? For real? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Very specific and clear. In case you're not clear about which Jesus it was, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men, no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as people who had been with Jesus. The leaders conferred among themselves about what to do. Then they ordered Peter and John to never speak or teach again in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The word of the Lord. Well, guys, I love this story. And one of the reasons I love this story is that it reminds me so much of Jesus. It reminds me of what Jesus did. And you know how you saw the uh, guy who was uh, blind from birth, and he just he called out to him and dialogued with him and said, Hey, what, what do you want? He talked to him. How, how he uh, uh, touched the, the body of the, the widow's uh, dead son and just touched it, raised him up, pulled him up to life. It just it reminds me of Jesus. The, the early church here is acting like Jesus. They're getting some of the same similarities, some of the same habits, some of the same mannerisms. It happens sometimes when you spend time around people. Um, Stephen had a friend. Uh, he works remote so he could you know, hang out with us for about a week last summer. He stayed with us. And uh, he's got his own mannerisms. He always says, hey, yo, about everything. Hey, yo. Um, and my kids were around him for a week, and he leaves. And then uh, my, my littlest comes into the kitchen and says, you know, what are we having for dinner? Oh, spaghetti and meatballs. Hey, yo. I uh, like, <laughs> that rubbed off quick, right? Jesus, he noticed the poor. He saw them, paid attention to them. The church notices the poor, sees them, pays attention to them. Jesus had compassion and healed the sick. The apostles, they're having compassion and healing the sick. 
They're doing the same things that Jesus did. Now, of course, when we read stories like this, we are, we are like, wow, like, this is what the church can do. We, we look like Jesus. We do this like, well, actually, I mean, usually not quite like this, this. You know, what's different? Well, I think that there's some, you know, there's some differences with salvation, history, you know, what's happening. But I think we too are at a special time in salvation history. You know, there's some differences, the apostles, you know, but we are called and chosen and anointed. Like, so what, what are they doing that they're truly acting like Jesus? Well, I think together, together they worked with what God could do, not what they couldn't. You know, they say, why are you staring at us? Why are you not like, I can't do that. We can't do that. They didn't say like, okay, what can we do about this lame guy at the temple gates? Let's form a committee. Guys, did you notice this problem? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's see. Let's see what we can do for this guy. They, they, they said, silver and gold have I, I don't have any silver and gold in the King James Version. Silver or gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. There's a story about uh, Thomas Aquinas, the great uh, medieval Catholic theologian. Um, and Thomas Aquinas goes to whoever the Pope was at that time. I think Pope Innocent. And Pope Innocent is there um, keeping the ledgers. Uh, he's got maybe some shelves of gold in the, the Vatican banks. And uh, he walks in and the Pope says, Look, Thomas, no longer can the church say silver and gold. Have we none? Thomas Aquinas says, yes, but neither can we say, get up and walk. <laughs> but there's some reality in that for us. The two do not always go hand in hand. You know, and guys, I do think as we talk about the church and what's the impossible and potential for us, I do think it's really clear to be, it's really good to be clear on our terms. Um, so as, as Christians, you know, we follow Christ. Christ is God. Then the church is the people of God. And then Christianity is the organization or structure. Christ is the one we worship. He's the one with the power. He's the one who saves. He's the one we're here for. The church is the community of his kids, the people of baptized believers gathered together. That's where Christ resides. We don't worship the church well, we're part of the church if you are following Jesus. And then Christianity is clearly not Christ, but you know, we've, we need that Christianity passed down the, the truth of Christ throughout the ages. Each one of these um, are good for different things, right? If we get our categories mixed up, we can get into, into trouble, but each one is good for something else. God doesn't have problems. The church does God works in his church. Um, so anyways, I just, I think that's really helpful. And as we see these early church leaders healing and working and, and, and preaching and just continuing what Jesus did while he was here on earth, being the church, looking just like Jesus did. You know, I think that this is... Um, <clears throat> This is a little convicting to me because I read a story like this and I think, you know, 
I'm not very good at praying for healing for people. I, I don't consider that like a, a, a strong point. Like, I do I have faith for this? Have I seen this happen in my ministry? Well, here's the thing. I'm not sure it matters that much. Because Jesus doesn't define our calling by what we're good at. Jesus defines our calling by what he's good at. Amen? Jesus is real good at saving and healing and restoring and putting back together broken lives. Jesus is real good at this. And healing is always connected with the authority of Jesus. You know, Jesus heals because Jesus, you know, has authority as power over sin and death. Jesus heals because he's the creator and he can fix what is not right in his creation. Jesus heals because he's the architect and he can make straight and true what is not straight and true in our bodies and in this world. Healing is possible because Jesus is on the throne because all things in heaven and on earth, every cell, every germ is under the power of his blood. I think about Matthew uh, chapter 9 when uh, Jesus, he, uh, he sees a paralyzed man and uh, he encourages him and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leader is like, Huh, who do you think you are walking around forgiving sins? Jesus says, I know exactly who I am. Um, but just so that you know what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. Well, I can do both. I have authority over all things on earth and in heaven. It's because of the power and the authority that Jesus has. What's required for healing is not a belief in healing, but a belief in a God who heals. And we believe in a God who heals. Um, a couple of years ago, it was wintertime. Um, Steve and I prayed for a guy who had, um, had some arthritis in his hands and in his feet. And... Um, he worked as a uh, landscaper, you know, good job for him. Didn't, this was just the, the right work for him. Um, didn't have a ton of other career options, but this is a good company. And um, in the wintertime, when it was super cold, I mean, he said, you know, the arthritis in my feet is just killing me. My feet just every day, the whole day outside in the cold, it just feel like they're burning. Um, <coughs> so Steve and I prayed for him. And uh, just really wanting the best for this guy. I mean, that's a terrible si situation. Uh, I came back to church the next week, and uh, he's like, the whole week, no pain. And it was a cold week. Um, God had, like, healed. I uh, don't think the whole arthritis, but God had healed that that terrible part of that. Um, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew talking to Jesus... There are good options available. There are good outcomes and good possibilities on the table when we talk to Jesus about him. I'm so happy. I'm, you know, very happy for him, his life. You know, the disciples, they were obedient to Jesus, not themselves. And I really just think that 
we have to be team obedience, not team results. We just have to be all about obedience and just that has to be our, our motto, our, our mantra is obedience. It's our measuring line, not fruitfulness, not results, not like, you know, big stuff. Our measuring line is obedience. You know, Peter and John, they didn't say, yeah, well, we're getting in trouble for this. Like, watch, we're going to heal one lame person every single day. Or like, yeah, well, we're going to bring in 5,000 people every week. They said, we're going to keep telling everybody about what we have seen and heard. Because it's, I mean, it's too good to not tell folks. They had been with Jesus. They had talked with him and laughed and had conversations. Jesus had told them about things of heaven and spoken truth and clarity into their earthly realities. They had seen Jesus heal and teach and cast out demons. And then they'd seen Jesus rejected and hurt and betrayed and killed and they'd see him come back to life, the worst thing undone. They said the, the creator has come into his creation, like the, the painter has moved into his painting and everything is transformed. God has come to humanity and humanity is changed. We have to keep telling people about what we have seen and heard. They were ordinary people. I'm ordinary. I think I can pull off obedience. I know I cannot pull off extraordinary. But I think I can pull off obedience. They were ordinary people. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. And guys, to moderate that, that statement, I actually don't think that there's any such thing as ordinary Christians. If we're following Christ... Like Christians, Christ follower. Christ is rather extraordinary. We're defined by a supernatural reality. If we have the Holy Spirit whispering in our ear, if we have the, the message of Jesus, if we have the possibility of new life or resurrection life, you know, we can't be ordinary. And just, well, let me say, like, a little grace, a little prayer, and do my the, the Christian stuff. Now, I don't think there's any such thing as a little prayer. If we're actually talking to God, big things happen. Eugene Peterson says that, that people will say, oh, he's a pastor, you know. Oh, pastor, just start us out with a little prayer before the meeting. Pastor, say, say a little prayer before the meal. No, I can't. Sorry. It's because there's no such thing as little prayers. There's no such thing as ordinary, normal Christians. But it's so encouraging. Then um, Peter, as he speaks to the crowd, he says, every prophet spoke about what is happening now. And you are children of these prophets. This is who we are. We are our children of the prophets. We're living in the, the golden age. We really are, friends. We are so, like, lucky to be living in this time and age. We know the truth of Jesus. We have the message of forgiveness and restoration. More than that, we have the Holy Spirit empowering us, speaking to us, living in our hearts. Sometimes we're like, we are, like, so lucky to be alive in this time and age because of who Jesus is and because of what he can do in us. 
you know, friends, um, and worship team, you guys can start to come on back up. You know, guys, this man, he'd been lame for a long time. You know, sitting in the temple in Jerusalem for a long time, decades. And then for a couple of years, he was sitting in this tent, in this uh, gate in Jerusalem, as Jesus the healer was also in Jerusalem, going in and out of the temple. He was a sick man at a temple gate in Jerusalem. Jesus was a rabbi going in and out of the temple in Jerusalem. I think they, you know, I think Jesus walked past this guy at some point in time. Now, Jesus healed everyone who came to him or who he came to intentionally with, with intention. But Jesus obviously did not heal everyone in uh, Israel or everyone in the world why didn't Jesus, if they had some proximity, why didn't Jesus, you know, seek this guy out? I think it's because he was saving him for Peter and John. He's like, ah, I see him over there, but you know what? I know my ministry is not ending. I know they're still like, I don't have to get to everyone. I'll save him for Peter and John. They'll, they'll love it. It'll be great for him. Perfect fit. And guys, I think that everyone around us people who Jesus is saving for us to encourage to to tell the truth of who Jesus is to pray healing and redemption and restoration over their lives Jesus said I'm not making it to America I'm not sticking around to 2022 but my church is and that's what Jesus has for us to be his church to do what he did right here and right now. Let's stand together, friends. <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you that as you left this earth 2,000 years ago, you knew what you were doing. And your heart was to look forwards into the future, to love us and bless us. And your ministry is continuing here and now, in and through us. You said when, when uh, you were preparing uh, for uh, crucifixion and your death, uh, you said, it's good that I would leave you, because I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide you into all truth. Would you guide us into all truth this morning, Holy Spirit? Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Guide us into the truth of who you are. Guide us into the truth of who we are as your followers. Guide us into the truth of who we are as a church community that we can do the things of Jesus. Would you speak that to our hearts right now? In Jesus' name. Speak to our hearts. Speak truth over us this morning. As we lift you up, Jesus, it is truly uh, not about what we can't do. It is about what you can do. And that's how you define us as a church. Not about what we can't do, but about what you can do. And what you can do is everything for our blessing and our restoration. 